Welcome to Sinner Saint Sister. I'm Allison Sullivan, and this is a podcast about sometimes saving the world and sometimes just surviving in it. In the next hour or so, we will nurture our friendships, explore our joy, shake our fists, all while trying to serve our God, and most likely, all while wearing pajamas. I hope you hear something that lets you know you are loved and helps you love one another. Welcome to Sinner Saint Sister. In Romans 10:15, Paul says, "How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things." To God, there is nothing more beautiful than feet that carry the good news of Jesus Christ. Whether it is across the sea or across the street, have your feet brought good news to someone recently? The word beautiful in Hebrew is naha, and it doesn't mean pretty or cute. Actually, what it means is befitting becoming or perfectly appropriate beautiful feet bring good news because it is what they are supposed to do and the world needs Jesus God's command to us to go and make disciples is not a suggestion it's not optional if you have feet if you are a child of God then they are expected to bring good news you are expected to go evangelization it's our purpose I think we get hung up in sharing the good news, and I have a few ideas about why. The first one is that we're not sure we're equipped. Oh, I'll just leave that to someone who talks better than me, who writes better than me, who people like more than me, who like people more than me, who's more talented than me, who's more gregarious than me. Just anyone other than me really would be good. But God uses the ill-equipped on purpose. You are perfectly equipped in your ill-equippedness. The ill-equipped are the perfectly equipped because it is not about us. It's about God, and this is how he proves it. Our God, the creator of the universe, uses fleshly man to relay his gospel message. Yes, our God has entrusted the work of bringing people to him through the lives of those who follow him, imperfect, Flawed, mistake-prone people are God's chosen vessels. An awesome responsibility that has been delegated to us. So whatever your hang-ups, whatever your history, whatever your hiccups, you are equipped just as you are. I want to tell you a quick story that probably falls into the overshare category. Right after I had our last baby, I walked into my bathroom and I saw maxi pads stuck all over my window. There were like 20 of them. And so I called my oldest two children into the bathroom and they proudly exclaimed, Mommy, we found airplanes with wings and they're sticky. If you do not know what something is, if you don't identify it correctly, then all you can do is misuse it. And ladies, you are a masterpiece Ephesians 2.10 says that you are God's masterpiece and that he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do good things he planned for us long ago. The Greek word translated as masterpiece is poema, which means a work made by God. And we derive our English word poem from this word. So I think it's kind of fun to think of myself as God's beautiful poem, and I think you should too. Masterpieces, poems are well thought out. They don't happen on accident. They're on purpose. 
I am not by chance or on accident. I was divinely inspired. You are divinely inspired. And God decided that this little slice of history is the part of his story that needs you and your gifts in it. And he made you to do it. He thought about you and what he wanted you to do. And then he decided that there's no better time for you to be born with your unique gifts, talents, skills, and personality that he wrote out perfectly in his poem. He has put you right where he wants you and thoughtfully. God has gifted you in unique ways and they are yours. Unfortunately, most of us don't believe that we're masterpieces. And when we don't believe that we're masterpieces, we believe lies instead that tell us that we are too much or that we're not enough or that we deserve our hurts. We focus so intently on our deficiencies that we convince ourselves that God wouldn't or couldn't use us. But the truth is that we just haven't grasped who we are. And because we haven't grasped who we are, a masterpiece, we focus on all that we're not instead of what we are. But there's no way to live out our true purpose that way. Back to maxi pads, ladies. If you don't know what something is, if you don't identify it correctly, then all you can do is misuse it. His burden is light. I think it's possible that we're forcing ourselves to do the wrong things, chase the wrong gifts, gifts that are not ours. There are things that we are called to. There are delightful ways for us to serve that make us feel more like us. And this is where we shine. Ladies, do you believe that you are gifted? I do. I wholeheartedly do. And if you don't, I so wish that I was in your pack so that I could help you discover it. Because I believe that one of my gifts is helping other people find their gifts. And the way that I've been pointing the people that I love lately to their gifts is by asking them, is there anything that if you haven't done it in a while, you get a little grumpy? What is it? When my husband hasn't had a chance to run in a while, he gets a little antsy. If I haven't had a chance to be alone and sit and read and write, it feels like there's a cat clawing to get out. My dad needs to be outside and fix something broken. My best friend needs to entertain in her kitchen. My mom needs to decorate something. My spiritual director needs to plant something. I had a sorority sister who needed to buy something. Wait, did you say buy something? I know, shopping for the Lord. (laughs) My sorority sister, I want to tell you about a conversation I had with her. It taught me a big lesson about gifts. This friend and I hadn't seen each other in about 15 years, and we were at a reunion for our sorority, and we were catching up like no time had passed, and she was confessing what she had been through the last several years of her life, which I knew none of. Her marriage was in shambles. They weren't even living together at the time. She was working in a career that was unfulfilling. I don't think they had children yet at the time, and she felt at odds in every aspect of her life. Simply nothing at the time was making any sense. And then she started explaining to me how she's always been interested in fashion, trends, things that were flashy and beautiful. At first, this seemed like an interesting shift in our conversation, but she explained that her whole life she let others around her make her feel materialistic for having shallow interests. And frankly, she agreed with them. She beat herself up for it. Nobler pursuits, that was the obvious answer. And she spun her wheels doing what she thought she should until one day after a terrible fight with her husband... She called her small group at church to come pray over her. She felt desperate, and something had to give. And so they got together, and they prayed, and when they were finished praying, someone said, while we were praying, I I had a vision. 
they encouraged her to share her vision, and she said, well, it, it doesn't mean anything to me, but I saw a, a big gray cloud, almost black, and stepping down out of that cloud was a shoe. And that was when my friend put her face in her hands and said, what kind of shoe was it? Her friend answered, well, I, I can't be completely sure, but it definitely had a high heel. She said she knew it, and the vision at that time made perfect sense to her because she felt that the Lord was pushing her to embrace her interests, her gifts. She felt him telling her that he had plans for her, plans that she couldn't foresee. And then as we talked, she spent the next 10 minutes explaining her new business to me with such joy, such light-hearted joy. She said, Allison, all day, every day, I sit with women in one of their most vulnerable places, their closet. And I can't tell you how many women I have held and cried with as we do so much more than edit her closet. I had no idea that the Lord could actually make this shallow interest of mine a ministry, but that is exactly what he has done. Evangelization, sharing good news, telling the world about the love of Christ. It is simply about love and embracing our gifts is how we are going to love the best. You have no idea what the Lord can turn into a ministry if you just bring him along as you chase what he has gifted you to do. I was talking to my spiritual advisor about how I feel led to writing, but I feel burdened by how I'm not sure I do it all that well. And she said, Allison, life comes to you in words. That is what makes you a writer. Who cares if it's any good? And with that, I picked up my pace and I finished a book that I never thought I could write. It's possible that I only have one book in me, but I do know that I won't ever quit writing. And I can't quite explain that. It's just what I do. It's just who I am. It's who I've always been. It's how life comes to me. And I finally just decided to quit arguing with it. I was responsible for crafting everyone's love letters in elementary school. And then their breakup letters in junior high. I think in blog posts, I try to make my grocery lists rhyme. And for better or worse, I love words. I love to write. It calms a restlessness I've never been able to put my finger squarely on. I steal moments to do it. I stay up late to try to do it well. When I daydream of a perfect day, it always includes creating something written. I feel led to it. Even at very inconvenient times when I would rather sleep or watch TV or finish a book, I've crawled out of bed in the middle of the night to jot down some ideas because I found it is then I am the least judgmental of the words that crawl out. With a baby in my arms and a toddler on my lap and cups of juice dangerously close, I've henpecked one-handed words that seem to want to be written. I've paused in the middle of labor, baby-producing labor, in order to tell a story that I think needs told. I write because I feel like I'm supposed to. And I'm not sure we can choose for ourselves that which we are supposed to do. It's just who he made me. And I've decided that I can't tell him anything new about me. But instead, he can tell me new things about myself. He is the original writer. I explain all of this to you to help you answer that question. What did he make you to do? What do you enjoy? Even if it doesn't make sense. Quit arguing with it. Take a step out in faith and do it and see what he does with it. This is evangelization. 
It's nothing more complicated than embracing our gifts, offering them up, and loving people with them. But embracing our gifts, it, it targets something broken in all of us because our tendencies are to disbelieve or to be insecure, or to be selfish or to hoard. But our feet, bringing good news, it's what they are supposed to do. And I have found no greater peace than being used by God doing what I love doing and no greater freedom than being exactly who God made me to be. From the book of 1 Peter, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. This is my friend Amy. We've been friends for two years. She speaks with sincerity, is smart in ways both hidden and profound, and she has just the right amount of reverence, snark, and wit. She has many gifts, stewards them well, and on many occasions has helped me see God's varied grace. Hi, Amy. Hi, Allison. <laughs> so this is my friend Amy, and um, I was always envious of the way that other artists collaborated because for me, writing was so private. It was yeah. this thing that I did in solitude. It was trying to get away, you know, from my family for a moment so I could like be me. <laughs> you know, I need some think yeah. time. But I watched other artists, whether it was musicians or whatever, um, get together with other people and collaborate, and, and I felt so envious of that. And you and I were in a Bible study together, mm -hmm. and you had heard that I had published a book and had similar interests, and so you were bold and brave and <laughs> just kind of struck up a conversation. And um, I knew right away that I just liked your disposition. And because of being in a Bible study with you, I just like the way you think and the way that you talk. And then we got together to collaborate. <laughs> and I was so amazed, not only by your work, you sent me home with some stuff to read of yours, but also to, it was the first time to like lay something before someone else, mm -hmm. have an opinion, and get feedback and have you make a you know a few suggestions without taking anything away from what I thought was important. It was yeah. it was mind blowing for me, and I've really you just have a very unique voice in my life. So we've been friends for how long? I don't. Know. Uh, well, two, over a year. Yeah, two years, two years maybe. Yeah, sure. So two years. But um, the things that I love about you is that I just really, really trust your judgment, and you have a really mm -hmm. unique voice in my life. I don't, I don't lay th rough drafts out before yes. people very mm -hmm. often, and so, and to get, you know, I, I consider you a professional, and so to get that kind of feedback that is um, concise yet artistic. Um, is just a really big deal to me, and it's been a game changer. I want to. I feel like I'm talking so much. I'm going to let you talk in it just a second. <laughs> but you, there was this one time, I was perplexed about something. I don't even remember what, but I was telling you my issue, and you are you're just a stoic person, and, and you were sitting there. You have great posture. I don't know, but so you're sitting there, and you said, um, "I hear a lot of feminine apology in that." No. Oh, yeah. Ugh. Right? Like, yeah. I need that voice in my life. So I hope you're not going anywhere. I'm so glad we're friends. Wow. <laughs> that is so...
All right, we just had a very pleasant experience <laughs> with a very aggressive delivery man. <laughs> all is well. Um, okay, so all that to say, Amy, I'm so glad that we're friends, and I'm so thankful for the writer that you are and the friend that you are and how we combine it all together. Oh, thanks. Me too. I, For me, when we first met in Bible study, well, first of all, I really loved, I think you were wearing like this blue-green eyeliner, and I spent a good portion of the Bible study trying to figure out if I could pull it off, because like you've got this dark hair, and it oh. seemed like you could pull it off with your coloring, but I'm really blonde, oh. and I thought it might be too much on me, so it wasn't the most spiritual pastime, but I really was like, <laughs> but I like this lady, because... Take some real guts to pull that off. Okay, but I'm sitting here trying to figure out if I was wearing that eyeliner on purpose. It just made me really happy. And then I found out you were a writer, and I've just been kind of fascinated by this whole, like, how does the publishing process work for people who aren't academics? Uh Like, what what are you supposed to do? How is that, how do you go from being unpublished to published? Right. So I was like, well, anybody who's close enough to me that I can actually ask, I'm going to just chase them down and be like, Hey, yes. <laughs> my name's Amy. Yes, I have questions. Yes, um, and so you were gracious as I um, accosted you in Jason's Deli afterwards mm-hmm. uh, over and, the salad bar. Oh yeah, over the salad bar <laughs> with I think my mom was there and your kids were there and I was like, this is not an ideal time to talk. Right, but but nine one one eight one one. <laughs> Seven one one four one one. We're calling for information. What are we calling? I mean, it's not quite an emergency. Just just a dilemma. <laughs> but. I was so excited to have somebody to work with. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just your encouragement is so vast. I mean, you really mm-hmm. are such a cheerleader and such a champion mm-hmm. that for me, I am just such a needy little flower when it comes oh to encouragement in my writing. Mm. Like, I didn't really start writing until I had kids who said, I love this silly little story and the more that they said they loved those stories the more that I wrote and for for me kind of branching out into that like older adult writing I feel like those voices of adults saying things to me that are encouraging and loving and just all in saying yes this is what I want to hear more of uh, are profoundly important yeah. and I think you're one of my like greatest cheerleaders mm, like you and Robert I mean just are people who I know are always, always, always in my corner. That's right. Yes. Amen for that. I feel like in a lot of instances, we are far larger and far more amazing and far more creative than we really even know. And, or that we rec, I feel like we're blind to our own gifts a lot of times. And so cheerleaders are, are really important. Yes. And and really, you know, being able, we can probably get into more of this later, like which voices to cling to and which yes. to kind of get distance from. Um, well, let me interrupt you there because yeah. what I wanted to say too is one of the things about you being such a great cheerleader is it means I trust you so much. Mm. Like you have such good instincts about uh, what is worth keeping in my writing or what I should be willing to sacrifice, even though we both love it. Like, that there are times where even things that you love, like, you, as you said, you need to sacrifice your babies. So yeah, I'm, yeah. <laughs> you know, all in a literary context, of course. Yes. But, uh, yeah. You know, that just because you love it and it's great doesn't mean that that's the right time and place for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And knowing, you know, how to, like you said, like, maintain your voice, take nothing away from the person that you're mm-hmm. working with, and yet help move it to the next stage to where it's 
even more of what it can be yeah. is a real gift. And I feel like you do just a fantastic oh, job on awesome. that. So I'm deeply appreciative of yeah. it. I, I know I've told you this and you've been, been really sweet with your feedback about it, but I feel like my gifts are more in editing than they are in actual writing. And I love reading your stuff. I well, love it, love I it. think that might be an injustice to your writing because I think you're a great writer and it's really fun to read your stuff. Thank you. But I also am deeply appreciative of your editing. So if it helps <laughs> you to think that, to keep editing my stuff, then like, well. Awesome. Okay, so you and I like words. We are, I think that that's one reason why our conversations can go for so long <laughs> and so deep is because, you know, we think that naming things is important. And, yeah. and so there's something about, you know, attaching a word correctly to something that is very relieving and yeah. writing has been that for me. It's a way yes. that I kind of name and claim my mm-hmm. world. What yes. does, we talked about, you started writing, you know, when your, when your kids came, what does writing do for you? So I should clarify, I started writing fiction when my kids came along. I had always written things, you know, kind of like journaling, uh, you know, angry letters to people that I didn't send. Oh, that sure. Kind of, like, yes. I can, okay. send a, uh, I can send an email. Yes. <laughs> I could write a letter of complaint about this rocking chair that's <laughs> a disaster. Like, uh, I could use my powers that way. But um, I think words are incredibly important. I remember when my son was a baby, he had all sorts of crazy health issues and mm. uh, I mean like blood clots in his brain, like mm. terrifying baby. And we had no idea when you're three weeks old and you have blood clots in your brain, you have no idea what that means for this child's development because they're like these little lumpy, bumpy babies. Yeah. They don't do anything. Yeah. So how do you know if they're going to start doing anything or not? And so we watched him like a hawk. He had all sorts of therapy. And I remember my mom came to visit and he was about nine months old and he did something silly. Like he bonked his head and she said, Oh, don't do that. You dodo. And I stopped her and I said, no, we have no negative words around this baby. This is all mm. the power of the positive. Mm. Like we will only speak good things to this child. Mm. And I just felt like as much as we can tell him, you are great. You are amazing. You can do this he would grow into that. Not that we could make him develop beyond what his actual capacity was, sure. but that there was never going to be a moment where he thought, well, maybe I can't because my mom thinks maybe I can't. Right. Like, like if we had hit a wall at some point in his development, I would have said, okay, right. we're going to do, we're going to flourish at this point. Yeah. But there was, and I just, you know, my poor mom looked at me like, oh, oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> like, but words matter. But the good do. ones, the bad ones, they build yes. us up. They tear us down. Words matter. And for other word people, like, those words stick in your mind. I mean, I have certain things that people have said to me over the years that I still remember the exact phrasing of. And I think mm-hmm. I I worry sometimes that I've done that to other people. Sure. I mean, yeah. <laughs> right? I know I have, yeah. But I think it also even matters in, like, the types of stories we tell or the things that we have, like, characters say. I think about... I have characters, especially ones who are older, like kind of teenage-type characters. I think it's really important, uh, the kinds of things that they say to each other. And I don't think you can write a story that just whitewashes washes everything and protects every possible like misinterpretation. Mm-hmm. But I think it's really important not to have characters say things like, oh, don't tell your parents this. Or right. you know, things that yeah. undermine what I think are by far more important um, like truths and like relationships in life than like my little character in a story. 
But I think kids hear those things. I mean, there's a whole Demi Lovato song about don't tell your mother. And mm. I just think, oh, like we need kids to think, no, tell your mother. Yes. Run in yes. and talk to her. Tell yes. her. You know, like how many kids are being hurt by thinking, maybe I shouldn't tell her. Sure. You know, and so I think those are the kinds of words I'm also really aware of as a writer. Like, wow. What she, responsibility? I, I do feel that responsibility. I'm terrified yeah. that I'll write something that someone mishears or really hears too loudly yeah. and that they damage their own life because of it. Right, it's, right. I mean, writing affects lives. That's why we do That's it. That's right. Like, because we think those things matter. So, um, One of my nearest and dearest friends is a breast cancer survivor, and, um, and she just really dove into... Um, her life situation and, and she, I mean, she, and she's read and she's built and she's spiritually searched. And she, I mean, she has just gone to very far corners to be well. And a lot of that has been reading. She's a reader and she's Mm -hmm. always been a reader. Um, but I, after this weekend with her and just, um, there's an ease about her and her life mm. is not easy. And like this cancer is going to loom, you know, every mm. ache, every sniffle, you know, yes. it might mean something. Yeah. And yet there is such an ease and a calm about her. And honestly, like I was just thinking this this morning. So I think it's meant to be to, to be in here to work its way in is that I think it's the books that she's read. She's mm. just a reader. And so she, you know, kind of enters into other people's lives and mm. maybe realizes the blessings in hers. I mean, I, yeah. she and I never really, really talked about it. I'd love to now, but, um, but I just think there's something to that. And so to be responsible with those words, um, think, imagine if she had chosen the wrong books during that I awful time, right? Too. Like, <laughs> she must be reading the right books because yeah. you read some really terrible books. Yeah. <laughs> terrified and depressed. Yes. And... But words build us up. Words yes. tear us down. They yeah. matter. So, okay. So what are, I feel like maybe you've kind of already answered this. If there's anything left out of this, fill it in now. What are your favorite words to write? Gosh, my favorite words to write. I love writing stories for my kids that so many times my characters are a version of my children. So like if you just turn the knob up or down a little bit, like on their ages. So, uh, but where it lets me kind of speak into here's the hero that I see you mm. like, being. Mm-hmm. Like if, if you were put in these circumstances, I think this is your story. Right. I think this right. is the journey you would take. And I think here's how you would find like power and, excitement and magic and beauty and I like to tell them those things like that say you know not just that you would ride a dragon someday but that you would have the courage to do that you know and that what a beautiful way to combine your motherhood and your artist. I I feel like mine I feel like mine are separate a lot. I feel like I'm needing to get away in order to tap into that. What a beautiful way to combine both. It's for me it's been a real gift. I mean honestly the place where I really started having the most productive writing and this is kind of in my weird like I don't think everyone has this opportunity but it was when I was breastfeeding my daughter uh and you know it's such an isolating activity right Right. like you just sit quietly you know many times in the dark and in those times I would just think about the next stage of my story and I would just kind of let sit there in this kind of quiet and let the story tell itself to mm, me. Wow. 
And then I would put her down for a nap and I would run out and I would write as fast as I could. Yes. And it was just this little window of time that I had. And getting something down versus thinking yes. something up. I mean, yes. isn't that... Yeah, you have to have both parts to it, right? Uh-huh, like, you have to have the time uh-huh. to think about it yeah. and the time to then, like, actually write what right. is kind of just there percolating in your mind. And for me, that was the most productive, like, beautiful, wholesome time. And I just... Uh, I felt so privileged to get to know that that was how the writing process could go. Right. You know, to think, ah, I really have that kind of capacity in me uh, to be able to just kind of sit and be calm and mm-hmm. think. And it's, I mean, it's hard to kind of find that, to recreate that. Because, yeah. I mean, not everybody has babies to nurse forever. Right, 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 right. <laughs> Um, so speaking of process, you and I have different processes and we, we kind of chuckle at each other about you do what, (laughs) but you actually write longhand. You actually sit down and, and write it out, pencil to paper, which I've heard is I've, there are a lot of published authors that say to do it that way. There's something about the mechanics of your hand moving across a page. Um, what are some other process things that, that help you? Well, so I think the handwriting part for me is crucial. It's partly because somehow when I uh, type, this really mean, critical voice emerges mm. that just won't be pleased with anything. Like, yeah. And I edit, and I just I can't get past that first sentence. Right. So it's really not that I'm so great at writing by hand. It's that I'm so impossible at typing. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. the computer alone, I don't know, kills something creatively for me. Um, the other things I do, honestly, I listen to a lot of feedback, like Robert, when I tell him kind of things that I've been thinking about and like kind of ideas that I have, uh, he's always quick to say, you should write that down. You really mm-hmm. need to write that. And so I kind of mull that over and think like, huh, maybe he's right. And then I kind of work on it a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, the most important thing for me, honestly, is to not feel um, too much pressure from like outside voices. Yeah. Um, I need to kind of write it in my own little safe world. And then and then I don't mind sharing it. I don't mind having people read what I've written. I'm not scared of that part of it. But that beginning part of getting it created mm-hmm. is uh, something that I have to be really protective of. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of times our creativity is larger than what people can see on the onset. And mm-hmm. so yes. there, there's kind of um, their voices. I don't want to say don't matter. But um, you might be right. <laughs> but maybe aren't like quite relevant yet. You know, yes. um, they can't hear our voice. They can't yeah. see where we're going. Yeah. So just hold on a second. Yeah. You know, it's I not finished. Like, I feel like I'm creating a world, and until that's kind of created and completely mm-hmm. there, mm-hmm. it's not really fair to kind of jump in and judge it. It's like tasting your cake batter and saying, "Well, this doesn't really taste great." Like, why? Right. Hold on. Do, can you remember? I'm surprising you here a little oh, bit, but um, <laughs> perfect. Um, but do you remember? Do you remember telling me about your artist friend and how she was posting her painting process, and she posted oh, it for the yes. world? Yeah, yeah. And it, is it called an underpinning? What's underpinning? It called? Yeah. Yeah. Tell, I think. Yeah. Right. Start there. Okay. So. She was working on kind of promoting some of her um, writing, and in doing that, she also, she's a phenomenal painter. I mean, just really, in ways that I think, I don't really understand how she does that. I, I have none of that gift, so I, 
but she started doing a painting that related to the book that she had written. And she was, uh, you know, including us in that process. And so she showed us kind of the first stage of the painting, which I guess is called underpinning. And honestly, I'm going to tell you, I was so baffled as to why she posted this. Because I looked at it and thought, what the heck is that? Like, yeah. huh. I, is this even a good move? Yeah, I, I really felt like, I don't think that's very attractive. I think that people are going to be concerned for you. Like, I'm nervous for you right now that this is going to turn out really terrible. And yeah. it's out there for everybody to see. Mm-hmm. You know, And then I saw the next step of the painting, like the final process, project. And... It was beautiful, and it really was amazing. It was, it made sense, and I thought, oh, partly, I'm reflecting my own ignorance, like that, I just have no idea what goes into the layers of like an oil painting, but partly, you know, there's, I don't know, I, I'm not sure that it would have been a good step for me to take to have something so vulnerable out there right. and have kind of just right. this audience kind of crickets sound of like, yeah, huh, yeah. That's something. Yeah, it takes a lot of confidence in what you're creating. Yeah. For sure. But she clearly knew where she was going and what it was going to be. She knew where she was going. Yeah. (laughs) And that's why, and think about your voice would have been one that wasn't quite welcome. I know, right? right? Like you're... Thank God I didn't say anything. Yeah, you could not give support (laughs) in that moment because you didn't see what she did. And how is, I mean, is that a microcosm for our walk with our Lord or what? I mean, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I don't get to see my whole journey. He knows exactly what's going on out there, but I've got this little chunk to work with. Yeah, you know, I and get to so, see this little bit right here. But it allows us to keep looking over our shoulder going, how am I doing now? How am I doing now? What about now? What about now? But it also told me that it's really important. Like for her, the relevant advice would have come from somebody who actually knew art and why it matters Like for someone who's a writer to get advice and feedback from other writers, not necessarily people who don't do the same work because it just doesn't mean the same thing. They don't, like you have to trust the person's artistic vision that they are going to get there, that they have the capacity Mm -hmm. to take it from the rough draft to the final Mm -hmm. and kind of fill in the stuff that we're missing. And if someone doesn't have that confidence in you, first of all, extremely frustrating. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Like head against the wall. And you think it's kind of a waste of time. It really can throw you off track. Mm -hmm. I don't know. So those people who protect your voice and see it and hear it and know that it's going to come through and, like get where it's supposed to go. Mm-hmm. I think those are the people that you really go to for feedback. Right, right. When you first shared that underpinning story with me, you were sharing it with me for a different reason. And you were talking about how hideous the first steps of it were. And you were talking about how so often in life, we try to insist that things are beautiful. It's like we strong arm things into being pleasant when the truth is it's just not, but it's an underpinning. So you can have this awful situation. You can have something that's ugly and it's just not finished yet. And I think that it's so neat. We were talking about it in relation to a difficult situation, but how cool to apply it to our work as well. Our work just isn't finished yet. This is very much a rough draft and I might not even know where it's going, but it will be beautiful. I just have to stay at it. And what an awesome creative lesson. Okay. Last thing. Are you an artist and how do you know? You know, it's funny. Uh, I had the hardest time being willing to say I am a writer because it sounds like an act of ego to me. I, when I hear other people say it, I think, 
what are you, the next Steinbeck? Like, uh huh. <laughs> and I'm so mean in my own heart that <laughs> I'm like, it's only fair that that kind of uh, attitude comes back towards me. But on the other hand, I remember a girl uh, when my husband was doing the PhD process, you know, all of these smart guys sitting around doing philosophy together. Uh, one of the guys had a girlfriend, and she was very sweet, and she was very smart, and she said, I just really want to be an intellectual. And I remember laughing in my own mind, thinking, like, well, honey, just go read a book. Like, you are one by doing the things that make you one. Like, mm-hmm. you, don't, you don't have to wait to be one. You just go start reading something that's worth reading, and voila, there you are. Yeah. You're an intellectual. Yeah. And, I thought, and so I've always tried to kind of, I mean, actually hold that as, like, a spot of grace for myself, like, if I'm writing, then I'm a writer. Mm-hmm. Like, and just to give myself that. Uh, it doesn't have to be such a label of distinction. I think that more of us are artists and writers and creators than we really admit. I think Absolutely. we're just sheepish and hiding out. Absolutely. Like, oh, I don't know what you'll think. And you think, no, like, step into it and say, yes, I'm yes. a writer. And if you're writing, you are too. Yes. Like, be audacious. Come on in. Join the crowd. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of room for all of us in here. It's yeah. not an exclusive sport. Like, mm-hmm. you just, you want to write? Write. Like, I think an enemy would love to make <clears throat> us believe that the things that we love, the gifts that we've been given, mm-hmm. rolling around in them is self-indulgent. Yes. <laughs> that is a self-indulgence that you should not be allowed. Yeah. I think anything that, like, lets it be taken away from you. I mean, either that it's competitive or that it's self-indulgent or that people are judging you. I think all of those are voices of insecurity that want to sneak in on us. Mm-hmm. And they just, you have to kind of put a firm hand up to them and say, no, mm-hmm. this is important. God speaks to me in this way yes. more so than any yes. other way. Yes. And I would be a fool not to value that. That's right. No matter, you know, publishing or not, greatness right. or not. Right, exactly, exactly. This is how I hear God best. That's so, right. It's a communion. Yeah. I better run right to it. Mm -hmm. Amen. Thank you, Amy. I love your thoughts all the time. Absolutely. Thanks for asking. I appreciate you. I appreciate you too. And now a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Signs Cleaning. Signs Cleaning, quality commercial cleaning that suits your company's budget. Call 979-260-3160 for a complimentary bid. Signs Cleaning, we don't cut corners, we clean them. And Nightingale Pest Solutions, providing effective, ecologically conscientious strategies that promote healthful and pleasant pest-free environments for homeowners and businesses across the Brazos Valley. Nightingale Pest Solutions, exemplary service, extraordinary care. My best friend and I certainly don't have all the answers, but that's never stopped us when it comes to matters of the heart from trying to comprehend, evaluate, analyze, apply, and synthesize. Wait, is that Bloom's taxonomy? I knew we were onto something. This is me, my best friend Kristen, and your questions. <laughs> is that No. I won't do it. <laughs> what are you doing sleeping? We have work to do. Wake up, you idiot. Uh, there are people out there. Where? Out there. Uh, I bet you're wondering why we're up here. Ha! Ha ha. Hi, Beef. Hi, Beef. So those are some opening lines from our duet acting from the seventh grade, eighth grade. And I think we um, 
One medals. One medals. Multiple medals. Multiple. Obviously. (laughs) (laughs) That little tidbit. It's kind of like a cheerleading dance, though. Like, we can just kind of bust out into a segment of... Mm -hmm. A day in the life of an average teenage thespian. Anyways, yeah. So we were in theater arts. Did you feel artsy when you were in theater arts? Um, no, I did not feel artsy then. I did not feel artsy now. I don't think I'm an artsy person. <laughs> um, I did not feel artsy either, necessarily. I felt like the other people that we were with were artsy. Right. And I enjoyed being around artsy people. I kind of always feel like an imposter in my life, though, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, but now, being older, I don't, so you say you're not artsy or whatever. I, I think that everyone is an artist. Mm. And so, um, I think... I've heard it said once that um, the only difference between somebody who calls themselves an artist and one who doesn't is audacity. So it's just having the audacity to live artfully. And I think that you're very artful. That's really nice. I think you are the The locusts are doing high drama right now. (laughs) We thought it'd be quieter um, than our six kids inside. But um, anyways, okay, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say that I think that you're super creative. Um, Obviously, as a writer and a speaker, you create... One of my favorite things we talk about all the time is, like, your analogies and the way that you can create images with words for me. Or you always have, like, a... I guess it's an analogy, right? Where you make me appreciate exactly what you're thinking about something with the way that you describe it. You create beautiful spaces in your home. We were just talking about how you moved around two tables and seven chairs and created two totally unique spaces. Um, You create a beautiful appearance. I often am asking you if something is right on the line of cute or terrible because I do not have the judgment to decide that and you can put things together and always look super, super cutie. Um, and then I think you also, for me, have, like, created relationships with, um, just the women in your life that you love. You have an ability to put people together and bring people together and, um, create new, deep relationships from that. Wow. Thanks. Um, I think you are creative, very Mm. creative, and I think that you live artfully by the way that you, um, open up your home and then love people while they're there. Like, it's you come up with new and inventive ways to do it. Like, it's not the stereotypical things of, like, yes, I can feed people, but, like, you feed people thoughtfully, and more so you enjoy (laughs) doing it. Like, (laughs) you're just a very good nurturer. Um, And then I will call you often, often, often to listen to something because you bring clarity to moments. So, like, whereas I tend to go on and on and on on a topic... You can be concise. You not only do that with, like, things that I read you or whatever. There's just there's just a, um, a a succinctness that makes you very effective. And I would imagine that in your lawyering, that is really important too. That's interesting. I would never. Thank you. Thank you. That's really nice. That would I would never. I wasn't occur to me to be creative. <laughs> like I think we need to define right, creative for right. me and the people. Yeah. Well, hold on. I have one more okay, thing. Okay. I think that you do that in a conversation too, though. Like. So I'm just picturing you in many difficult conversations that you have in your life, whether it's you just have a lot of arenas. I just think a lot of people look to you in the room to do just what I just said. Mm, so Thank you. You're welcome. Um, okay, yeah, so what is creativity if we're sitting here calling ourselves not artists um, and yet we're all creative because we're created by a creator, right? Um, 
I think that it's just a creative response to the love that he gave first. Like we have been given an intense amount of um, freedom and love and mercy and just this huge, huge gift and how we spend our lives saying thank you is our art. Deep creative stuff. There. <laughs> okay, here's our question from a listener. I need like a second and a pencil. <laughs> okay, she says this. I love to paint. I have a store on Etsy. It gets minimal activity. And frankly, I thought that people, especially friends and family, would be more affirming of my art. I should do it anyway, right? Yes, of course. Um... Wow. Says beefy so, emphatically. Says beefy emphatically who doesn't think she's creative. But I think that she said something about that people aren't affirming her, and I feel like the only thing that you need to feel affirmed by is your soul, and that comes from the Lord, and whatever gives you that peace, you should keep doing, whether you sell another painting or not. I feel like sometimes we, we get lost in the the... We forget the process by focusing on the goal, and so what if mm-hmm. the goal isn't selling a painting, but what if the 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 goal, the fruit of the painting, mm-hmm. is actually where your mind is while you're doing it, and yes. the thoughts that Amen. come to you, and the thing that you think about that you end up doing the next day when the painting is all put away for you know hours. Um, it's it's just that process, and you never know what he can do with that. So if that is something that makes you, your soul happy, then of course you keep doing it. Amen. Um, I, so when I first released, um, rock, paper, scissors, I had a lot of expectations about that as well. And so, um, just how I thought people would respond. I was like expecting champagne and celebrations. And, um, I think that creativity stirs up a lot of reactions in the in the people around you. And so you have to get a very trusted inner circle of people that you look to to see, yes. am I doing this well or not? And when you open that feedback up to the masses, it can get real tricky real quick. And so a, a silly example is, you know, everybody's kind of bashing the mom that... Um, brings really cutesy things up to the school, you know, or does really creative t-ball snacks. Okay, well, that's my beefy. Like, that's what she does. And she's not doing it to make anybody look bad. She's not doing it because she's trying to show off. She's doing it because it's her gift. So I'm always very sensitive in defense of that person and the the moms that are looking side-eye at her. Um, And so... My point is that your creativity is going to stir up interesting responses in the in the people around you, and if you're looking to that to decide whether to keep going or not, you're gonna you're gonna get bad information. I remember when Rock Paper Scissors came out, I was um, sharing a story with my spiritual advisor about how I had been hurt by a friend, and she was listening, and and I had there, you know there was some backstory, and she was like, "Honey, I don't know anything except that that person's a blocked creative." And, um, and she just brought it down to like just something very simple. So a lot of times, and, and I have sensitivity towards that too, because I was for so long. So, um, but I think watching other people run in their lane can just be difficult because we're human. It's not because we're mean, it's because we're human. And, um, so sister, keep going, you paint 
And let me know your store on Etsy. I know. I was just thinking. We can go shopping. <laughs> yes. All right. Signing off. Bye, Beef. Bye, Beef. Lubella is my friend from junior high. She won every science fair there ever was. We lost touch for a while until Facebook intervened. And now that we're reunited, it is all my pleasure to log on and see Lubell win the internet day after day. April 3rd, 2017. Do you ever see those salons that just blow dry people's hair and ask, who in their right mind pays for someone to wash and dry their hair? Me, I do. I single-handedly keep the Houston dry bars open with their fancy cucumber-infused water and yellow blow dryers due to my laziness and complete lack of ability to do anything with the frizz on top of my head. I am convinced the Lord decided I gave you a bit of your mom's sass and a tiny part of your dad's heart. You do not deserve good hair. My obsession with getting my hair blown out is so intense that my husband suggested I give it up for Lent. I laughed in his face and cried at the thought. It is a sickness and I make no apologies. With that in mind, as you can imagine, I know many of the stylists well as they greet me with a bright smile as I slide in at 7 o'clock on a weekday morning. Although it is unkind to play favorites when they are all stellar, no one is better than Elva. Elva not only knows exactly how to make sure my hairdo doesn't poof up in the Houston humidity the second I leave, she is funny as heck, sweet, and most importantly, loves her family. She tells me she works only in the morning, so she is there to greet her three kids when they get off the bus after school to ensure they get a snack and start their homework immediately. She brags on all her children, but she loves telling me about her middle and only daughter, Olivia. According to Elva, Olivia is brilliant. So very smart, Miss Lubell. She's the smartest person I know. Elva tells me the countless books Olivia reads, the gifted and talented classes she excels in, how her curiosity and need to learn is both scary and inspiring. When Elva speaks about her daughter, I put my phone down and stop doing my mindless Instagram stalking and listen with great sincerity. This is a proud mama and I need to pay respect. Elva confided in me once that she was disappointed in herself she couldn't help Olivia with her some of her homework that the math and science was way above her head, and she knew that some of Olivia's friends had parents who could assist in the complicated project that these honors classes expected from their students. I just do hair, Elva said. She needs a doctor or engineer or scientist or astronaut, someone smarter to be her mama. She deserves better. I made Elva put the damn flat iron down and look me in the eye so she could understand that she was one of the best mothers I knew. Olivia and her boys had a beautiful, kind, and smart mom. Done. Last week, I pulled in at my normal 7 a.m. time. Olivia was waiting for me at the front door. When I walked in, she gave me a hug, and with great pride that poured out of her soul, she told me Olivia was invited to an all-girls STEM, that stands for Science, Technology, Engineering, and Math camp, for the summer at the University of Texas. Only 10 girls from Houston got in, and Livy was one of them. I shared in her happiness and told her that was incredible. And then Elva described the application process and how Olivia had to do a science project, present it to her teacher and a panel of judges. 
And Miss Lubell, guess what she did, Elva said. I shook my head with no guesses. She made her own hairspray. Hairspray? My baby girl made organic hairspray for me. Elva said she had been telling Olivia how there must be a better way for both her clients and the environment to use something other than aerosol hairspray and wondered out loud if certain fruits and plants would work. And she was listening and she did it and she won. I shook my head again, this time in absolute amazement. In her presentation, she said, my mother inspired me to do this. We sat in the styling chairs together, together, Elva and me, crying from Olivia's successes, the awesomeness and genius behind her project, and that, although it doesn't happen much, I was right. Moms and daughters in every part of the world, in every home, no matter the size, shape, or cost, in every stern talk or endless hug, there is love and bond. Moms, trust me, it may not seem that we do. When you talk, we listen, we are amazed, and we just want to be like you. From the book of Hebrews, continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. I teach at the women's prison in my neighborhood where week after week I learn that they are just like me and I am just like them. So many thoughts go through my mind when I feel stuck. I go through the would'ves and should'ves and could'ves beating myself up with the what-ifs and then finish myself off with the what actually happened. I haven't exactly lived a pretty life and my mind is a dangerous place when left to wander. Idleness, it can be deadly for me. Shame and guilt weigh me down, smothering me. I feel abused. Except it's hard to feel sorry for yourself when the abuser is your own self and the ruts you drive yourself into. But Every now and then, late at night, when everyone else here is asleep, when everything is still and quiet, a light slowly begins to shine through my dark thoughts. It is a small voice that will not intrude, but politely waits to be listened to. To be a good listener, I get out my pen. Sometimes I write as fast as I can to catch up. Sometimes I wait, begging for more to come. Sometimes the voice and I are right in sync. Whatever the case, the voice is always the same, telling me that the past is behind me and my job is to leave it in the trusting hands of a father. The voice tells me the only moment I truly have is this one. And the voice becomes louder, but since it is still soft, maybe I shouldn't say louder. Maybe what I mean is closer. When the voice is close, it says this every time, and I always write it down exactly. You are loved perfectly, and you are covered by God's mercy and grace, and you need to forgive yourself because God already has. And then the voice ever so kindly tugs me to follow more closely than I was before and leads me gently to my purpose. I don't know exactly what my gifts are, but I do know that when I write, it is the only time the Holy Spirit's voice is ever louder than my own. So no matter how it reads, I'm keeping it up.
Loving God, you have made us who we are. And we praise you and we love you because we are wonderfully made in your image. Our greatest fulfillment, God, will come when we discover our unique gifts and abilities and we use them to serve others and to glorify you. We are irreplaceable in the kingdom, uniquely inspired and divinely gifted. Thank you for making us just as we are. We might have never had a dramatic moment or an overpowering feeling of being called to one certain thing, but that doesn't mean that we are not special or that you don't have a plan for us. We're told in your word that you have given us everything that we need to do what it is that you have planned for us. So God, revive our enthusiasm to discern our gifts. The world may have stomped it out of us, but help us to remember a time when we were young and exactly what it was that made our eyes light up before the world had its way with us, before we were told what we cared about wasn't important, before we were told we weren't any good at it. We have gifts, God, gifts that are inherent to our personalities and our natural talents. But we have also been given something very special by you, a gift to build your kingdom. And we are so grateful. Help us to quit looking side to side, comparing our gifts with others, and instead celebrate exactly who you have called us to be. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And for this episode, a special thank you to Amy Garcia, Kristen Kelly, Nightingale Pest Solutions, Science Cleaning, Lubel Cruz Gaelic, Brian Federal Prison Camp, Priscilla Aguilar, Pamela Anthony Cutright, and Chan Redfield for music.